And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. We are back with another episode of Wizards After Dark. I, uh, If you haven't listened to the last two... I had David Aldridge on the episode, uh, which brought us back from uh, from my vacation and then my missing a week because I was sick. And then following that, I had Troy Brown on last week. So if you are a Wizards fan and you want to learn some more about what makes Troy Brown tick, go download that episode. Listen to that episode. I thought he was he gave me a lot of time. He was he was you know Troy's always a good interview. So it was it was really nice to have him on and and he's we spoke for like forty minutes just about stuff around the league and. What the pre-draft process was like for him, which I thought was topical, considering this is the pre-draft process for a lot of people, and Troy's still not very removed from it. And we talked about the Wizards, we talked about his development, we talked about just just random stuff, and uh, Troy's a good conversationalist and a good interview, and uh, if you haven't listened to that one yet, I recommend it. Go back, it's the episode before this one. Right now, however, I have, uh, unfortunately, I have a more disappointing guest today than a Wizards player. I've got my buddy, hey now. my buddy... Well, maybe it's more exciting for uh, for some people. The the guy who I think has been uh, lovingly, affectionately called a nerd on social media more than anybody else I know, our national NBA writer Seth Partnow. Hello, it is I. <laughs> do you do you think? <laughs> are there any points where people say like, "Oh, he's the analytics guy," so we say we're going to nerd out? Do, is there anyone who's just like not close enough to do it who does it and you're like you can't do that? Um I've I think I've leaned into it enough that you know it's it it it's just kind of there. I don't know. It 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 it's still hurtful on some level. No, it, it it's fine. It it the part that that bugs me is when the nerd kind of thing is thrown out assuming that I don't like know anything about basketball, but I just know the the numbers and it's just stick, like okay, stick I, like, to your chart, Seth. Watch the games. Yeah, it's like I, you know, you guys realize I played, right? I, um, but anyway, I, I appreciate we've got a special guest. We've got at least one of your children in the background, so I think this is going to be a. Uh, it's that's that's both of them. They're it's like yeah, the, the, we uh, we blew right through nap time today, and now we're just crazy. So it's 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 before dark here, but uh, I wish it was after dark because then they would be sleeping. That's perfect. Well, that's better. I I like it with kind of the natural sound of the kids in the back. We've got yeah. all right. So we've got. The, the nature scene. We've got we've got two op- two options for today's episode. We can number one talk a little bit about this piece that we co-wrote that was up on the Athletic today. We're recording this at four thirty p.m. right now on Wednesday. I think it's going to be up on Thursday morning. But we co-wrote a piece that was up on the Athletic DC on Wednesday morning. You can go check that out. If you're not a subscriber, by the way, you can still subscribe. You can get in on that one dollar a month deal if you either you can go to this story and you can sign up in there or you can go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark you can get one dollar you can get a one dollar a month subscription that's a full access to the athletic not just my stuff but everything anyway 
you want to check out that story Seth and I did, kind of talking wizards from an analytics standpoint. We can talk about that story, Seth, or or we can talk about this Reds-Braves playoff game that's going on right now, which has literally set the record for longest scoreless game in baseball postseason history, which is nothing, nothing in the 13th right now. Which one do you want to do? Uh, I will pass on the on the baseball. Well, thank you. I've got baseball up on the TV right now. So if I yelp at any point during this podcast, it's because either the Reds or the Braves scored. So this is going to be an exciting, this is exciting stuff. You want to talk Wizards analytics, Wizards basketball, Wizards anything? That's uh, it, it. It is your show, direct away. All right. Well, as you can tell, I'm I'm just I'm a planner. We, we outline what we're going to talk about four and a half minutes into the episode that we are already recording. Um, I want to touch on a couple things that we wrote about, and I want to expand on a couple things that we wrote about. I don't want to get into everything because I want to give people a reason to go read that article over at The Athletic DC. And uh, I want to expand on a couple things just to, uh, to add some stuff to the people who already read it. First off, we talked about the reason for Bradley Beals or, or, or one – hypothetical possible, not hypothetical, but one hypothesized reason for why Bradley Beal's defense has fallen off to the degree that it has over the last two years, where he was a solid enough defender pretty much his entire career. And then last year, he took a significant dip. And then this year, he took an even more significant dip. I think everybody, whether you're an eye test person, whether you're a numbers person, if you watch Wizards games this year, I think you agree this was the worst defensive season of Bradley Beal's career. He had a significant drop-off defensively, and we can talk about the reasons for that. I think we're going to talk about the reasons for that. One thing that you mentioned in the story, which I thought was interesting, was the relationship between uh, guarding high-usage players while also having to be a high-usage player on the other end. What I want to ask you is... Do you think that's like a recoverable thing? Because when when Bradley Beal comes back next year, it's not like he is going to regress all the way to what his offensive load was in, say, 2016, 2017, when John Wall was doing the vast majority of handling and Bradley Beal was doing significantly less than he is right now, right? There's going to be more of a balance between the two of them. How much do you think we could reasonably expect Bradley Beal's defensive uh, contributions to return when John Wall comes back? Like, what do you anticipate there? Oh, that's, that's a great question uh, or a great five different questions, I guess, in there. <laughs> um, I, I think that the that, that it, there's a lot of different things that are going to come together to, I think, probably make Beal not like one of the few – most negatively impactful defenders in the league next year. One of them is, is yeah, he's going to be asked to do less on offense. Uh, and as we talked about in the story, that there's a number of different reasons, reasons why that impacts defense. One, it's 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 just the fatigue of it because uh, you know it's it's hard work to 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 create that volume of shots against NBA defenses night in night out. Also, um, if you know you have to do that, either implicitly or explicitly, like not fouling is kind of important. And uh, while fouling isn't good defense, never fouling probably means you're not defending hard enough. Uh, so th- that, you know, being a, being able to pick up a foul here and there because you're trying to guard uh, will help. Um, and then the Wizards just being more competitive will, you know, 
I, I'm, I would guess up the give a crap factor. Um, and that's that, you know, that's not something it's easy to measure necessarily, but it's something you can kind of see that, that a guy goes to a situation where they're playing, you know, games that, that don't really matter for anything. It's, it's human that over 82 games of that or however many we play next year, uh, it's kind of hard to reach that peak intensity if it's just like, oh, well, got a game tonight, got a game two nights from now, got another one then, and none of them mean anything because we're going to be in the lottery again. Um, and and so it it you're you, you're only human if if you're not able to reach like playoff intensity under those circumstances. You know, it's a thing that I wonder all the time. Like when I'm going to sleep, I'll just be lying there, my eyes will be closed. By the way, I had the weirdest dream last night. I had a dream that uh, the media killed Kevin Durant because he pulled his money out of big cats and started investing in wolves. So this is where my mind is at at this point of the NBA season. I also, as I'm going to sleep, wonder things about the Wizards, such as people talk about the Wizards being more competitive next year. The Wizards talk about the Wizards being more competitive next year. And, and it's competitiveness is kind of an abstract idea. Like when John Wall's back, do I think they'll be better? Yeah. Even though I don't know what John Wall is going to be. I don't know if he's going to be 60% or 80% or 40% or 120% of what John Wall was before. I just don't know. And and I don't think anybody can know. Um, but what what I also don't know that comes from that is even if the Wizards are better, I don't know where they're going to be at as a team. And 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 one thing that I keep running through is I think when you look at people, I don't think this is true for people with the Wizards. I think people with the Wizards have a realistic uh, idea of this. But I think when people talk about, well, the Wizards could be back in the playoffs next year, uh, people think about, well, it's the Eastern Conference. And the Wizards were a four or five, six seed when John Wall and Bradley Beal were healthy during you know, that four or five year run. And they should be able to get back to there. And then you run through the teams. Like, the East is so much better than it was when the Wizards were getting to the five seed with 45-44 wins. When the Wizards were getting in the middle of the pack with even 49 wins. Like, you look at the Nets are going to be so much better. You know Boston's going to be awesome. You know Milwaukee is going to be really good. You know Toronto is going to be really good. You know Miami is going to be really good. Uh, You know the Nets are going to be really good. That's five teams right there. Chances are Philly at do, worst is good. Do we know the Nets are going to be really good? I'll just interject that. We, I mean, they're they'll be perfectly fine, but I think the range of outcomes on the Nets is is pretty wide. What What do you think? Um, what do you think? Adjusting for the fact that we obviously have no idea what's going to happen in the off season. What's the Nets' worst case scenario next year? Assuming, assuming KD and Ky- taking out the fact that you know KD and Kyrie could play a combined thirty games, what is if they play a reasonable amount of the season? What is the Nets' worst case scenario next year? Probably a six or seven seed. Probably like the the, the problem is is just it, it's 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 basically almost wholly contingent on what proportion of MVP level Kevin Durant post Achilles. Kevin Durant is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and I don't think we have, it's been a hugely debilitating injury to basically everyone who's had it. And he's the best player who's ever suffered that injury uh, in his, in his prime, certainly. So 
What does that mean? I have no idea. It's just it's 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 we're completely in in realms where we it, it, any prediction is wrong, and it's just a matter of which direction you're wrong. That's fair. Similar conversation about John Wall. Better player, but similar conversation in terms of just not knowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even so, I'm comfortable saying like I don't think there's any way where the Nets aren't good. I don't think there's any way where the net like I would be shocked if the Nets won 43 games next year. I would be really surprised on that. I think those guys. I also think Kevin Durant is the kind of player who can lose his physical ability and still be good because he's so skilled and such a great shooter. Um, so I, I and the Nets have a good roster. So I think the Nets will be good. I have no problem with that. I think Philly will at least be good. Even if, you know, Philly went to crap this year, they still won at like a 48-win pace. And they went to absolute crap and still got to 48 or so wins. There are, you know, the Pacers are going to win 45 games until the end of time. Half the country is going to be underwater in 52 years, and the Pacers will still be chugging away with 46 and 36. Uh, There are seven good teams in the East. Like, you can win 45 games now, and it's not getting you the five. So I'm wondering, I mean, Orlando, it's plausible Orlando could be a little better next year than they were this year. It's plausible the Knicks could go out and trade draft picks for Chris Paul and go get another vet. And the Knicks, maybe they'll sacrifice their future, but they could be competitive next year. I mean, these are these are all plausible things. It's, it's you know, you, there's always, you know, the one young team in the East, who ends up being a little better than we expect, you know, whoever that ends up being, whether that's Chicago or or somebody else, uh, I, I just I don't think it's any sort of guarantee the Wizards are wildly competitive next year. Like I think people are, I think there are people who are thinking, yeah, they can jump from to forty five, and and I'm wondering, like I'm wondering what the threshold is. Getting back to the original topic, like. Yeah. What is what is the threshold to where it's like we're competitive? I'm going to try on defense, and I'm not saying you know the answer to that, but I just think yeah. it's an important question to ask. No, I I think it's I think that you're you're setting the bar too high on on competitive. Like the the, the Wizards went into every game this year being substantially out talented, and um I'd, and you know with. You know, with with an off season, with an off season of growth from some of the young players, with you know, uh, whatever version of John Wall we get back on the court, um, uh, you know, whatever they they end up doing, you know, to 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 bolster around that, I do think that just from a a, a talent standpoint, there's just going to be fewer games where they are they are. It, it's like okay, we're going to run up and down, and and we're going to score 135 points tonight. And okay, they'll put up 127, but whatever, we're never in re- any real danger. Those kind of uh, some like yeah, when I was with the Bucks, we we would call some sort of the. Uh, Late season games between like lotto teams, we call those fake games, and there'll just be fewer fake games that the Wizards have next year. And whether that I don't know if that means they're a forty-four win team or whatever, but like once you're in like the mid thirties and it's like you have to show up to beat them on a given night, um, then that's that's sort of what I mean by competitive. Um, and that's it's squishy, but I but um, I I. I've, 
I do feel like there was just a, there was just a lot of games this last year where you, you know you look you look at who they got and who we got and 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 there's you know the, those guys are better than our guys by a lot and you know something's gonna have to go really right for this game to be close. So I want to ask you something else that we wrote in here. You mentioned regularized adjusted plus minus to evaluate some of the Wizards' young guys and. Yeah. Uh, Isak Banga, because of his defensive metrics, ended up grading really highly in those numbers. The other guys were kind of clustered around, you know, the other guys being Jerome Robinson, Mo Wagner, Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, Rui. Those guys ended up being clustered all around the same place about. Banga was the one who stood out the most. Has that, because I, I think... Some, something that, that bothers me about analytics, uh, conversation about analytics in the NBA, and, and, and I know you don't do this, but, but you know, you hear like Chris Webber do this all the time. Well, the analytics people, the analytics people say this, but when you watch the game, it's like, no, you, you're not an analytics person or a person who watches the game. You know, the smart people can look at numbers and also watch the game. So I want to know how that's manifesting for you. When you look at that number and you see Isak Banga's um, defensive RAPM standing out to an incredible degree, I want to know how that's manifesting for you in actual basketball games, specifically to Isak Banga. So, well, there's two things there. One is is you have to, when you're using a, a kind of metric like that, you also have to remember the context the player is playing in. Um, so because that this is a, a methodology that relies on, on to some degree, on-court, off-court data, like who is the player coming in for? can have an effect on that. So if, if, you know, you're being, you know, almost in a, in a baseball sense, if you're platooning with a bad defensive player, that's going to make your defense look better because the team is going to be better on defense. And some of that is just filling the hole of, of not having the other bad player out there, but be the, the, the algorithm is going to see, well, you're in the game when this is happening, it's you did it. Um, and, and so maybe, maybe we'll overcredit uh, based on that kind of that, that difference. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's, it's the methodology is black box enough that I can't specifically say that that is the case with, with Bonga, but um, given that the wizards were generally pretty poor defensively, it's reasonable to assume that he was, you know, he was coming into a game for a bad defender more often than not. So that I think has something to do with it. Um, in terms of what he's actually doing, I mean, he's got, he, 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 for a, a a perimeter player, he's got you know good steal and block numbers, and and that obviously his his physical frame, you know I think you'd say that that the 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 length wingspan whatever is is manifesting in in you know these little things whether it's actually stealing the ball or just getting a deflection which causes the offense to be a little bit worse, or even like you know a couple times a game like a guy double pumping a, a swing pass because like there's a long arm in the passing lane. Uh, and, um, and those are the kinds of things that, that, that'll show up when you use these, these kind of adjusted plus minus metrics is like, we're not really sure what is caught, what the mechanism is, but there's something going on that the defense is better with this guy in the court, even controlling for everything else. Um, and so then you, that's when you start to get into, okay, what's he doing? And, or, or it's also, you know, given the relatively small sample sizes, it could just be like some, some swings and shooting lock also that has to be acknowledged, but he is a, 
he was positive enough in, in those terms to that, that it's more probable than not um, from my standpoint that, that he is uh, uh, to some degree a positively impactful defensive player. Was that enough caveats I put on that? Yes, I think that was good. I'll, I'll say <laughs> I think Bonga is going to become a, a good defensive player. And I think if you ask around the league, there are a lot of people who like him. And, and I think because – because part of my job is asking around the league on him, starting from the second that they traded for him. I think there are more people who like him after this year than there were at the start of this year. Like I think people saw something from him this year and they were like, oh, there's there's a little something there with Bonga. He he could be a pretty, pretty good defensive wing. Uh some yeah, of, I think that Yeah, some of the advanced it, metrics it, on it, him it, are really extreme. I don't go that yeah. far on him. Um but but I think he's got something. Like I think I think there is something there, whereas like the ceiling on a Rui Hachimura is much higher. But I think Bonga, for as raw as he is, because he's raw in a lot of ways, I actually think Bonga is just a little bit closer to what he's going to end up being. Because some of the defensive stuff, the defensive footwork is really starting to be there. The defensive timing is starting to kind of lock in and get better. And that kind of more subtle stuff is really starting to show more. Um so, so I think he's he's still raw, but he's 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 a little more he's a little more cooked than he was at uh, at the start of this year, and I don't know if people talk about that enough about him. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I mean, I'll. Oh, no, no, I'll. I mean, I, you know, have he's someone who obviously, like, I, 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 I watch as part of the draft process, and the 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 kind of the the push and pull there was, um, you you know, you kind of you saw the the frame and the feel, and you wondered about the athleticism, um, whether he he because you know part of it is. Maybe he because he was coming into the league so young. Part of it is is he just wasn't you know strong enough to have have grown into you know his his limbs almost and and that seems to have have progressed some. But also it, it a lot of um, the classic example I think of, of of this is Nikola Jokic, and I'm not obviously not directly comparing them, but you saw him play in like a summer league setting. It's like wow, he's got a real lot of really like good things he can do. He's not a good athlete, but if he's athletic enough to be on the floor, uh, there's a lot of things he can do. Uh, and I think that that what Bonga has shown over you know 
you know, a thousand minute sample is that he's athletic enough to be on the floor to allow those other things to, to come into play. And that's that, that those are the kinds of questions that you almost can't answer until you, you throw the guy into the fire and see if he, if he, if he, you know, walks out or not. Um, and so that's, that, that's sort of a, a I don't want to reduce it to a binary, but in, in, in some, in some cases, it's it, that's either going to be going to work or it's going to not, and it seems like it's going to be okay. And now the the positives have a chance to 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 take effect on on uh, with with his ability to affect the game defensively. Yeah, no, I think that's that's reasonable. And as for the weight stuff, I mean that was that was talked about before the draft, and I know even shortly into this year, I know the Wizards had an internal conversation about just kind of shutting him down for a little bit and saying, you know what, don't worry about playing. Go go lift weights, get your body right. You're going to work with our trainers. You're going to work with our medical staff. And we are going to get you to put on muscle a proper way. That's what you're going to concentrate on. And, and I know that never manifested. Uh, I don't know how close it came to manifesting, but uh, it, it couldn't when the Wizards just had all those injuries. I mean, they had so many guys hurt. All of a sudden, Beal started to go down. Bertons went down and Rui got hurt and all these guys started to get hurt and they, they needed Bonga to play. They just needed him on the floor. But I, I think there was a point where they they considered having that of just like, this is a development year. Let's, let's let Bonga sit and develop. And that wouldn't be an unprecedented thing. Teams have done that before. But but that's the thing they wanted. I, I think he said he gained like, you know, eight pounds heading into the, the bubble, which uh, all – six bonga stands on twitter freaked out about when it happened uh i mean eight, eight pounds in, in three and a half months is is not is not shabby if it's if it's good weight please i could put on eight pounds in three days if you give me time i said if it's good weight well it depends on how we define we i i'll define it as good weight i mean i mean cheese it's are tasty but that's not good weight <laughs> what if it's like goldfish though I'm a goldfish. Cheez-Its are better than goldfish. Come on. Come I'm on. a goldfish Come over on, a Cheez-Its guy. Come on, Fred. Cheez- Don't get me wrong. Cheez-Its are really good. Come on, Fred. Cheez-Its are really good. We're 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 talking about uh, LeBron and KD here, you know. But but goldfish is. Come on. Goldfish is the Fred. better one. No, I'm 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 oh. I'm not changing on this one. I'm stubbornly going goldfish over Cheez-Its a hundred times out of a hundred. Okay, well, I I tried to I tried tried to protect you Gold, from yourself. Goldfish, uh, goldfish are also more shovel friendly. Like you can get real gross yeah, with goldfish. Hand handfuls fair. at a time. <laughs> you run. You want to put on those eight pounds in three and a half days? Oh, I mean, go uh, goldfish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, where do you think Doc Rivers is going to end up? Like, what do you think? What do you think? I'm not Speaking asking. Of goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not asking as a uh, as a like reported prediction. Like, what do you think is the good fit for? Di- I ask because every time a coach gets fired, Wizards Twitter loses its mind about. Oh, could this be the one? You think Scott Brooks is out? And I, I, uh, I wanted to say to the Wizards fans who listen to this podcast that no, Scott Brooks is not going to be out just because. Doc Rivers and got why fired. Why would why would you, why would you like okay the the discussion of of coaching in the NBA is incredibly reductive because it's like we go good coach bad coach. 
but there are coaches who are better at certain things and worse at certain mm-hmm. things. Um, for what the Wizards need right now, it's hard to imagine a worse coach Doc, than Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers notoriously does not want to play young guys. Yeah. Imagine He's Doc like, coming to the Wizards and just being like, by the way, like Wizards fans get trustra- frustrated with Scott Brooks not playing Troy Brown. Just think about Doc Rivers. And but the thing is, is 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 Scott Brooks has a reasonable like track record of players developing under him. Now some of that is like okay, you had KD and Russ, but like Serge Ibaka got a lot better. Like you know, there's the like there's other the other fringy players around the 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 Thunder when he was there that got better. Like the, some of the, the 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 Wizards young guys have have you know shown some improvement. So it, like. It, Scott Brooks may or may not be the best development coach in 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 the NBA, but at least he's competent. Um, like by I don't I don't want to say that Doc doesn't care about player development, but that was an issue that would you know by our 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 uh, our, our colleague Jovan Buha like reported uh, in in like in the 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 TikTok of what happened uh, between the Clippers and, and and Doc Rivers is the lack of of player development was was a, was a Pretty big sticking point. So for a team that is in a development phase, like what do you? Why? You know, go get if 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 somehow you're 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 playing fantasy coach, then you then why don't you want Kenny Atkinson, who you know that 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 is his bag. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I and you're right. People people talk about good coach, bad coach. When in reality. Seth, I think it's even more complicated than it's right coach, wrong coach. Is, yeah, uh, or, yeah. It's I think it's even more complicated than this guy is good at certain things and this guy is bad at certain things. I think it's more this guy is good with certain things for certain people, and this guy is bad at certain things with certain people. I mean, the example that I, I use a lot and, and I might have even used before on this podcast is Lionel Hollins had flaws as a head coach. But Lionel Hollins overall was a good coach for the Memphis Grizzlies because he was a good coach for Zach Randolph and he was a good coach for Marc Gasol and he was a good coach for instilling the grit and grind identity that they're so proud of. He was an especially good coach for Zach Randolph. He was probably a good coach for Mike Conley. He went to Brooklyn and he had his flaws and that offense was unimaginative and all those things, but he had success and they instilled a culture there that helped them win for sure. He goes to Brooklyn and he could not have been a worse coach for Brooke Lopez. And he could not have been a worse coach for Darren Williams. Uh, And it's the same guy. I don't think Lionel Hollins, maybe at the end he was ready to go, but I don't think Lionel Hollins was going into that job with any sort of a different mentality than what made him successful in Memphis. That was who Lionel Hollins was. Different personalities need to be coached differently. Different personalities mesh with different personalities differently. And so much of coaching just comes down to that. We see guys who are successful in some places and unsuccessful in other places. And we we assume so many things that are totally out there when often it is either number one, we never assume coaches can get better at anything. We always just look at a guy and we're like, that's what he is. And we just say like Mike D'Antoni, he can't coach defense. And then when his teams have pretty good defenses, we never assume the fact, hey, maybe Mike D'Antoni got a little better at coaching defense. Maybe he learned some stuff over his years. 
and he got a little better at certain parts of his it, job. Maybe maybe his son's teams were underrated defensively because we didn't understand pace of play. Oh, well, that's, that's, that is for sure the case because we were looking at points per game back then and not points yeah. per possession. So that – that is for sure the case, and and we were definitely underrating those Suns team. But they weren't they weren't unbelievable defensively. No, they were, but they were they were fine defensively. They were fine. They Sean Marion yeah. was really good defensively. I mean, they were put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, we don't need to get into this. I know how you feel about Sean yeah. Marion in the Hall of Fame, but yeah. but we don't talk about coaches with any sort of nuance, and we barely talk no. about players with nuance. But we talk about coaches with about twelve times less nuance. Yeah. Anyway. People don't talk about Scott Brooks with nuance either. And uh, even if they were, guess what? The Wizards are keeping Scott Brooks. They've said it. This is not based on I, – I put it up on our real-time app the other day. This is not based on any sort of um, you know vague report from an unreliable person. You don't really know. It's like Tommy Shepard has come out on the record multiple times and said Tom, Scott Brooks' job is not on the line. Scott Brooks is the coach next year. I don't know how many different ways he can say it. The Wizards like the job he did in internal player development this year. They like what they saw from Bonga. They like what they saw from Troy Brown. They really like what they saw from Jerome Robinson in the bubble. Uh, so so I, I, Scott Brooks is going to be there next year. Well, let's, let, let, let's, you know, let, let, you know, again, what, you're closer to this than I am, but like everything we know about Tommy Shepard is he's someone who 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 values people working well with each other. Oh yeah, I mean that's that might even yeah, that, be that's an like understatement. His, that, so I think it's that, probably that, the most. That's like his thing. I think it's the most important thing to him. I think if you at like yeah. that's probably the most essential value to his management style. People working together, everybody in the organization having a voice, being collaborative, all those sorts of things. And I think that, you know, by certainly by reputation, and again, you you will know this better than me being closer to that team, but like, you know, if we're if we're listing like Scott Brooks's strengths as a coach, like working working well with others is gonna be high on that list. It's a good point. I think that's true. So so I mean I think that, that I mean a big part of that is like, you know, Okay, for where the Wizards are. Okay, player development and is going to work well with the front office. That's two pretty big things right there for a team that's in a in a building phase. You know, is he if if and when they get to the point where they're winning fifty five games and 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 you know going deep into the playoffs and trying to win a championship, is that Scott Brooks' best skill set? Maybe, maybe not. But like that's that that's that's not the now, and the now is is you know. Get players better, have have a good environment for people to work in so people, you know, so that you can retain talent both on and off the floor. Um, like those things matter. Uh, and so while the Wizards fan may not like a rotation decision or a, an X's and O's or a baseline out of bounds, like there's a lot more going on than those things in terms of 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 moving the team where it wants to go. So you didn't answer my uh my initial question, which is, where's the best Doc Rivers destination? Oh. You can't say Shishka Moscow. It's Cheska. Cheska. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's a uh, close enough. Yeah. Mm. Um, Shishka, Shishka is the Yiddish corresponding Yiddish team. 
second division you yeah. understand? Um, I don't know. I think I might have. I mean, had it, I, I would have said Chicago of the jobs that were open this summer. I think, but you know, yeah. So that's so our options are Philadelphia, New Orleans, Houston. Or he can host a podcast on The Athletic. I mean, of those teams, I guess Houston. I guess. I think it's Houston. But yeah, I mean, I. I but I don't. I don't. I don't think he's a. I don't know if he's a particularly great fit for any of those roster situations. No, me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens. And he could take a year off. He could take two years off. He could do it. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I think you know he's he's coach. He's been an NBA head coach for 21 straight seasons. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, he had one. He got fired his last year in Orlando. He got fired early in the season, and then he got hired the next year as Boston's coach. Uh, and has and 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 aside from that one sort of half season break, has been an NBA head coach every year since I believe nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, because he won Coach of the Year in two thousand, right, with Orlando. Yeah. So that would make yeah. sense. That is wild. That's a crazy streak. And he left on his own terms for the other jobs. So that's that is a that is a crazy streak. Um, I will say this before we wrap up. I don't have a co-host. If Doc wants to come here and watch eighty-two Wizards games a year, I will cede the floor to him. I'll I'll let him analyze the Isak Bonga defense. I'll let him analyze Mo Wagner's jump shot. All we want. He can talk about that all he wants to. So, Doc, come to Wizards After Dark. It's it, it, You'll have to watch a lot of you Wizards can, games, but at least I won't pay you. So You're going to have to go make sure he can't find any of the old Clipper Blog Lives uh, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I will. Maybe he'll come on. He can, he can debate me about uh, why he would play Jamal Crawford when they were hacking DeAndre. So, J.J. Redick? Well, yeah, yeah, but he played Jamal Crawford when they were yep. the number one doc thing that I never understood during his 21 consecutive years of coaching was that when teams would intentionally foul DeAndre Jordan, he would leave Jamal Crawford on the floor, which didn't make sense because you weren't playing listen, offense. Listen, listen, by like, listen, most of the time coaching is this. This is this is a pet peeve of mine, too. Actually, this is something we, we probably got into this. Back then, but this is, so most of the time coaching is like cooking. Because there's not really a, a uh, you know, you can go from a recipe, but it works best if it's a pinch of this, and they'll taste it, and 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 maybe a pinch of that now, and and so on and so forth. So there's there's certain aspects of the game that are like baking, where there's 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 a formula, and things are clearly correct and clearly not, and like there's no more explicitly mathematical situation in a game when one team is is intentionally fouling, and you know who, how, what to do. It's it's very straightforward, and you're never playing offensive possessions. So why do you have an offense only player on the floor? Anyway, and uh, and rant. It it uh, that always killed me. That always killed me. Anything. Anyway, 
Um, Seth, you and I have this piece out on the Athletic DC. Uh, what else you got to plug before we wrap up? Uh, I did. A, I did. Um, I didn't make predictions for the finals. First of all, because I've been wrong about everything. But second of all, I, I feel like, especially looking at the game the way I do, you can. It's very easy to kind of stumble upon a narrative and fit everything to that. So I just, I kind of listed some, some aspects of the final series that I, that I'm going to be paying attention to. Um, and then, um, it, since this is coming out Thursday, they'll have missed it for game one. But, uh, for the finals, we, uh, Zach Harper and I with, along with a, a cast of several, if not dozens of, uh, other athletic NBA writers are going to be, uh, doing kind of a watch party on the, the, uh, the real time application on, on, uh, on the athletic, uh, app. So kind of have a, have kind of a live conversation as the game is going on, what we're seeing and, and what we expect to see as the game and series progresses. Cool. So you can go, you can check that out, uh, retrospectively i guess and uh you can go on the athletic dc and prospectively from game two on there you go and uh and uh like i said you can go on the athletic dc you can check out this story that seth and i co-authored if you are just randomly listening to this episode and you're not a subscriber you can subscribe to wizards after dark if you love the show and listen to it all the time and you want to help out you can go on itunes you can look up the show. You can give us a five-star rating. If you love the show even more and you really want to help out, after you give the five-star rating, you can leave a very nice review there. Those actually help more than uh, you might realize. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, like I've said a couple times, now is the time to do it. If you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up for $1 a month if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark again that's just theathletic.com slash the name of the podcast wizards after dark and it's going to get you one dollar a month on a subscription gets you full access to the entire site everything nba mlb nfl wmba nhl everything that you want there you're going to have for one dollar a month at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark i will be back next week with another episode i I don't know for sure, but I, I'm pretty confident I'm going to start to get into some draft stuff next week since uh, we're about a month and a half away from the draft, and I'm going to start talking about some prospects at some point soon. I think that'll be next week. Either way, I will be back with an episode regardless of what we're talking about. I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.